Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at Heights Baptist Church in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for joining us online. If you would like to connect with us, we have a Facebook page, Instagram, and our website, which is heightschurch.org connect. Thank you so much for joining us today. But as we're getting back in 1 Corinthians, let me just kind of remind you a little bit about this church and some of the difficulties and, and trials and issues they were having. If you had to describe the church of Corinth uh, using these words, this would be basically how you would describe that church. This would be their favorite phrase that would go on in the church. Ready? That's mine. If I had to describe the church of Corinth, just using a few words, that's the way I'd describe them. Filled with people who look around and go, that's mine. Chapters 1 through 2, that's my leader in the church I follow. Chapters 3 through 4, that's my ministry I lead. Chapters 5 through 10, that, that's my decision, what I want to do with my body and my life, and I don't care how it affects anyone else. Chapter 11, that's my seat <laughs> at the Lord's Supper table. Chapter 12, that's my spiritual gift that I want to use the way I want to use it within the church. See, here's the problem that the church of Corinth was having that Heights Baptist Church will have if we do this. Anytime me comes before we in a church, divisions happen and you lose your gospel focus. All right, that, that was the problem with the church of Corinth. Me became greater than we, divisions happen, and they lost their gospel focus. And also culturally, the church of Corinth was not a whole lot different than the American culture today. See, this was a culture that was religiously all over the place. There was over 29 different temples uh, throughout the city of Corinth to all kinds of different gods. But this was also a culture that was very divided, very contentious. They were divided politically, they were divided economically, they were divided socially, they were divided racially. And, and those contentions within this city were, were great, just like they are in our culture today. And so here's the question. How then do we move forward together and present a better way to our culture that's now looking to the church for that better way? Because just like the culture in Corinth, they know contention. They know division. They know arguments. They live it every day of their lives, and they're looking for something better than what they have. So then how do we say, all right, we got to put we before me so we are unified and we keep our gospel focus? How do we move forward together. So let me give you four actions that we're just going to kind of review uh, over the 10 chapters that we've been through. So get ready to turn and flip a few times this morning. But here's the first action I want to give you to take to move forward together. First is this, remember that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we're a beautiful mess. Right? Remember that we are a beautiful mess. Chapter one, verse two, Paul says this to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, 
called to be saints together with those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. In chapters 1 through 5, we talked about this concept of being a beautiful mess as believers in Jesus Christ. And in chapter 1, verse 2, you can put your finger on that word in the text. It's the word sanctified. Now, when you become a disciple of Jesus, you place your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. Now you're a disciple. God sanctifies you. What the word sanctified means is this. He sets you apart. Now, what is he setting you apart from? He's setting you apart from sin. So that means now, as disciples of Jesus Christ, God sees you beautiful. God sees you positionally today, forgiven, set apart from sin, like his son Jesus, pure in all ways. He sees you beautiful. So you're set apart from sin that way. But we all know what? We're still a mess. We still sin. We still make mistakes. We still do things that God doesn't want us to do, that we're still learning to be this person that God wants us to be. How many of you, you can just slip your hand up, how many of you ever heard the phrase or somebody has said it to you, man, I don't want to be a Christian. Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, right? Yeah, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want to go to church. There's, it's a bunch of hypocrites, right? You know what? Somebody comes up to you and goes, yeah, I don't want to go to church. A bunch of hypocrites. Exactly. We are. We are. We're pl- plenty of row always on the, you know, room on the first row. We got some room over in the student section today. Got some room over here. If you want to come, yeah, we are, right? We got a seat for you. We're all hypocrites. Why? Because there are times we don't live out who we are. There are times we do not say the things we're supposed to say, do the things we're supposed to do, and we do things that God doesn't want us to do. We're hypocritical in that way. Think about it this way. This is going to be the most shocking thing I say all morning long. Okay, I'm just going to get it out of the way. I'm going to totally shock you with this. I don't think you're going to argue with me much, but this is like the, oh man, he said that moment of the sermon. Presidents do not always act presidentially. Okay? But guess what? They're still the president. They're still the president, even though they don't always act presidentially. So as a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there are times you're beautiful, right? You're you're beautiful in God's eyes, but you don't always act that out. You always live that out. You're, You're messy in that way. That's why God says this in chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Let's go this way. So just flip over there, chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. So here's what we aim for, though. Even though we're messy and we're trying to live out this identity we have in Christ, and we don't always do what we're supposed to do, notice what Paul says. And this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ, stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that we may be found faithful. So so that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming to be faithful as disciples of Jesus Christ, even though we know that there's times we're not and we're messy. So that means this. In a world that's looking for a better way, in a world that's divided and contentious, and they want to know if there's a better way, we need to remember we're a beautiful mess, and we show one another grace in that. And we, we show one another care and love as we're working out that salvation in Christ. Let me give you the second action this morning to help show the world there's a better way forward than the path they're going down. It's this, be godly in your relationships. 
be godly in your relationships. Let's go over to chapter 6. In chapter 6, I'm going to invite you to pick up in verse 18. Chapters 6 through 7 in 1 Corinthians, we talked about this series called Relationship Status. In Relationship Status, we looked at things the Bible says about singleness, dating, marriage, sex, and divorce. All right? Chapters 6 through 7, we looked at we need to be godly in our relationships. So notice what he picks up in verse 18 in chapter 6. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other person, or excuse me, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. For you're bought with a price, so glorify God in your body." So in that section, in chapters 6 through 7, we looked at all those relationships that we have with one another and how we need to aim for godliness in our relationships. Now notice, put your finger on the text, verse 18, and you may want to write this in your Bible if you do this or if you got a piece of paper out, you're taking notes, where it says flee from sexual immorality. That word flee, you can almost translate it out in the English, keep on running. <laughs> you know? Run fast from sexual immorality and keep on running, right? Don't turn back to it. So, so keep on running is what Paul's saying. We want to be pure in our relationships, whether that's singleness, that's dating, our marriage life, all those things we want to shoot for purity in all that we do. Because Paul says that as believers, as disciples in Jesus, notice verse 19, that our body temples, or, or another word, tabernacles, the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit within us, and so we want to be godly in all the relationships that we have. You know, the church of Corinth, the culture of Corinth, is a lot like our American culture today in the sense of this. So wait a minute, it's my body. It's my decisions. I, I can do what I want to do with my body, right? Uh, how many, how many of you Sprite fans in here? Got any Sprite fans? Anybody drink Sprite? All right, God bless you. Know how to pray for you later. Okay, just, just needed to see those hands. All right, prayer at the altar later, right? Huge Dr. Pepper fan. I don't know why you would like deviate from anything but Dr. Pepper, but that's okay, right? We, we have some divisions, but we'll work together. Sprite came out, if you guys remember this, late 90s with this campaign. Obey your thirst, right? That was the slogan of Sprite for years. Obey your thirst, obey your thirst, obey your thirst. You know what the culture of Corinth said? Obey that thirst, obey that desire. You know what the American culture says today? Obey the desire, obey the thirst. Here's how you phrase it today. If it feels right, it must be right because it felt right, right? And so you have all kinds of people making ethical decisions on their relationships off of feelings, so you have a culture that's right now saying, if it feels right, it must be right because it felt right. And no, our standard is the Bible. Our standard is God. Well, wait a minute, it's my body. I can do what I want to do with my body. No, 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 no. God created you. You're made in his image. You're accountable to him. But notice what happens. And so I just want to kind of point this out this morning to you. If you are obeying that thirst, you're obeying the feelings, then the feeling becomes your God, not God. Stay with me on that. 
if you in whatever situation you're in this morning, say, man, I'm just going to obey that thirst. I'm going to obey that feeling. I'm going to obey that feeling. I'm going to obey that feeling because it feels right. It must be right. Then the feeling and that desire just became your God that you are now trying to obey and feed. And what's going to happen is this. It's not going to free you. It's going to enslave you. Because now you're enslaved to the feeling that you are constantly trying to feed and satisfy. That's why Paul says in verse 20 this, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. The good news of the gospel is this, that Christ frees us to live in these relationships he's given us in a godly way. And people sometimes go, wait a minute, hang on, I don't want to come to know Jesus. There's all kinds of these rules, and these rules are going to lock me down, and I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do. No, 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 that's not the way it works. The way it works is now God has freed you from the captivity of answering to your feelings. And he says, now I'm giving you these relationships to enjoy in the way in which I established them to be enjoyed in. So now Christ has freed you to live the life he's given you. So you are bought with that price, his death on the cross, not to enslave you, but to free you to live in your life. So now the God is no longer that feeling you're trying to obey. You're, you're obeying the Lord who sets you free. The Lord that has died on the cross for your sin. The Lord that's given you life now and for all of eternity. So the way forward for us in a culture that's divided is to say, listen, there's a better way. Remember, we're a beautiful mess. We want to show each other grace. We want to be godly in our relationships. Third action is this. We want to be selfless as Christians. Okay, we want to be selfless. Now let's go over to chapter 8. Chapter 8 through 10, in those chapters, uh, we're some kind of Weird discussions, quite honestly, because we don't get into these often. But in chapters 8 through 10, what was happening was the discussion of uh, if you went down to the market, you know, went down the marketplace and you bought meat that was sacrificed to an idol, and then you have somebody over to your house that's also a Christian, and they are offended that you're eating meat sacrificed to the idol because that's still causing them to sin, thinking about those temple days. It's making them getting back into a pattern that's not right in their life, Paul's saying, all right, how do you handle that situation? And so what you had in chapters 8 through 10 was this idea within the church and this idea among the Christians to say, hey, that's my right to do what I want to do. And I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to say what I want to say, and I'm going to post on Facebook what I want to post on Facebook, and I don't care how it affects anybody else, because it's my right to do it. And that's who I want to be. So I don't care if you're offended by what I do. That's your problem, not my problem. So I'm just going to let it rip, right? Paul's like, no, 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 no. That's not the way forward. The way forward is to be selfless. The way forward is to put that other person first. Because remember, when me becomes greater than we, divisions happen and you lose your gospel focus. So that's why Paul says this in chapter 8, in verses 11 through 13. He says, And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother from whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. 
So notice verse 13. So therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, and he's going to, with that term food, he's looking at that meat specifically uh, that's been sacrificed to the idol. If that's making my brother stumble, I'll never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So Paul's saying it this way. When I'm out with Fred, and I invite Fred over, and Fred and I are sitting there, and Fred goes, hey, great brisket, where'd you get it? I got it down from the temple. It was sacrificed, you know, to the, the pagan god. Fred goes, man, whew, I don't know if I can eat that. I, ooh, I don't know. Then I need to put the brisket up in front of Fred, and I need to bring out the Cobb salad. All right? That's the application. Now, Tom, Tom may not have a problem with the brisket, right? And, and when Paul and Tom are together, boy, they can eat the brisket all they want. But then when I'm with Fred, and I know that's an issue for Fred, so no brisket that day, Cobb salad all around, all right? And what's, what's happening is this. It's saying, I'm going to put that person first. I, I'm going to figure out that person. I'm going to serve them through what I may need to lay down in a preference in my life. So in order to present a better way to invite a culture, remember where we've been so far, we're a beautiful mess, all right? So we're working all this out. We want to show each other grace. We practice our godly relationships, being godly in the relationships we have. All right, we want to be selfless. We learn how to serve each other. And sometimes that means uh, we got to put aside things that we're free to do, but we know by doing them, they may cause that other person to sin. So we want to back away from that when we're with them. Let me give you the fourth way. Fourth way is this, put Christ first in all that we do. We want to move forward. We show the culture a better way than being divided. We want to put Christ first in all that we do. Now, let me warn you over the next several messages, when we get through chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14, these are going to be some messages coming up where we're going to talk about gender roles. We're going to talk about speaking in tongues, whether you raise your hand in church, not raise your hand in church, right? We're going to talk about head coverings next week. Yep, good luck on that one. Be, you know, be in prayer, however you want to be in prayer for that, right? And we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And guess what? When we go through these next several chapters, we are not all going to agree on some of those interpretations, right? We're not. I mean, there, there's just some hard stuff coming where you may go, man, I don't, I don't agree with Lee on that, or I don't agree with that interpretation there. That's okay, all right? That's fine. Because why? Because the key thing is we always put Christ first. So let's go back to chapter 2. And we're going to end in chapter 2 this morning. So in chapter 2, let me give you, I believe, is the key verse, or the key verses in all of the letter. All right, so in all of this letter that Paul's writing them, and he's going over all kinds of things. I mean, just right now, you may already kind of have whiplash in this recap sermon. And you think, boy, we really covered a lot of topics. Man, more are coming. I want you to notice what Paul says. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, here are the key verses, I think, through the whole letter. Paul says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Now, verse 2, I think, is the whole key verse of the whole letter. Watch this one. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. 
My speech, my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. So your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, once you notice verse two again, because this is the key verse throughout the whole letter. Paul says, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you've got an NIV version, I like the way they, they translated it. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you've got a New Living Translation, I like what they did with this. For I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. So Paul's saying this. No, no, stay with me on this. When he says in verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you. Right? He's not saying, I'm forgetting all my knowledge of you. Right? He's not putting down knowledge. He's not putting down gaining biblical wisdom. He's not saying, I, I'm just going to pretend like, you know, I don't know anything about you. What he's getting at is verse 2 is this. Hey, I know we always don't agree on everything. I know we have different thoughts politically. I know we have different thoughts socially. I know we have different thoughts economically. I know Paul's saying in this church, we have differences among us when it comes to spiritual gifts and talking in tongues and all these things. I know there are differences. And so what I'm doing is I'm majoring on what should be majored on and I'm not majoring on the minors. The major thing we push is Jesus. Keep Jesus first and his work on the cross. All these other things we may not agree on, all right, that's fine. We don't agree on them, but we're not going to major on the minors. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's Jesus and his work on the cross and spreading the gospel. Because that's the way forward. The way forward as a church in a divided culture, is to put Jesus first in all that we do. The way forward in a church filled of differences is to put Jesus first in all that we do. Remembering that we're a beautiful mess so we show each other grace, practicing those godly relationships we have, serving one another, being selfless, and saying, listen, when we come together, we know we're not always going to agree on everything, but what we can agree on is Jesus is Lord. He's the Christ. And the gospel is the good news that we push forward out into our world. I want you to stop and think about this with me for a moment. Just imagine this conversation happening later today and just think in your mind how you would respond and, and what you would say. Let, let's say you're, you're out in your garden later and, uh, or maybe you're out at your barbecue pit this weekend cooking up some ribs or brisket and a spaceship lands in your backyard, and an alien comes out of it. Hey, it could happen. Congress just studied it, right? I mean, okay, so, all right, just stay with me. Let's just say you're in your yard, and a spaceship just lands. This alien emerges, and this alien comes and says, hey, you know what? I, I, I'm really thinking about, you know, making America my home. Thinking about Texas, my home. Yeah, I, tell me a little bit about your culture. Tell me what's going on in your nation right now. You know, unfortunately, you'd have to tell them that that last week, a young man did an evil, 
demonic act by walking into an elementary school and killing 19 elementary age children and two teachers. You'd have to tell them that just happened just last week. And that alien may step back and say, oh my gosh, that, that's, that's awful. And it is. It's gut-riching as parents think that, that we send our kids to school. They may never come home one day. And that alien may look at you and say, well, surely that will unify you as a nation. That will unify you and bring you together as people to figure out how that evil demonic act never happens again. And you would have to say, you know what? No, it doesn't. Because every time that happens, we get further and further apart. Because now we're going to debate on guns and who should have guns and gun laws this and gun laws that and gun laws this. So instead of it bringing us together and saying, how do we prevent this from ever happening again? It's going to drive us farther apart. Then you would have to tell them, you know, just not only has that happened recently, you'd have to go over things like right now, economically, it seems like the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poor. Well, surely that'll, that'll bring you guys together to help you figure out how to make a better way forward. Sadly, it's not. Seeing the divides happen more and more in our culture. You'd have to tell them again how politically divided we are. You'd have to go over that there was recently a a document leaked in our Supreme Court that it looks like Roe versus Wade might get overturned and abortion become illegal in our nation. And the alien would step back and go, man, that, that is awesome, right? I mean, the life of the unborn is going to be protected. I mean, surely people would rally together and celebrate that, that, that life in the womb is going to be protected. We go, no, sadly it won't. What's going to happen is probably more and more protests, more and more political divide, more and more separation. And you would have to go over social media, which is a whole nother conversation. Right? Well, social media keeps pushing us further and further apart. This alien's going to look at you. He's <laughs> thinking, wait a minute, I'm thinking about taking up residence in this nation. I'm thinking about taking up residence in this state. And you've told me all this stuff's happening and how all these tragic things that should be bringing us together keep driving us further apart. Look at you and ask you one question. Is there a better way? Is there a better way? Because I don't want that way. Is there a better way than this? Is this all you have to offer? Is there a better way? And then there you are in your garden, there you are in your barbecue pit, and you can look back at that alien and say, yes, there is a better way. And that better way is found through a person. And that person is man, a man by the name of Jesus Christ. That Philippians 2 says, left heaven, laid aside all of his glory, came to this earth, took on flesh, 
lived among all this mess and division and contentiousness that we have as a society. This man by the name of Jesus took all our sin upon himself on the cross. He died on that cross. They put him in a tomb, and three days later, he rose from the grave. And you can tell that alien this, that this man by the name of Jesus in Colossians 1 in verse 19 says, all the fullness of the, body, of the deity of God's body uh, dwells within him. And he is the ultimate reconciler to bring us together between him, us and God. That this man, Jesus, prevents us or, or gives us a better way if we follow him. This man, Jesus, that we push forward first in all of our lives says, here's a better path that you don't have to have that division among yourselves in churches. You don't have to have that division among yourselves in, in culture. You don't have to have that division among yourselves in family because it's Jesus who is the great ultimate reconciler. If you'll follow him, if you'll do what he says, if you'll go forward, putting him first. So church, let me say this. You have a contentious, divided culture asking that question. There has to be a better way. Our job is to say this. It's not me that's greater than we it is we that is greater than me. So we do not have the divisions within our church and we push forward the gospel to say the better way is found in this man by the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. That means this. You and I need to be in constant prayer for the unity of our church. You, we, we ought to be in constant prayer for the unity of our church. In such a time divided over everything, you and I can be united around the person and work of Jesus and the mission of making disciples. And there's nothing more that Satan would love to come into Heights Baptist Church, to get into your heart, your mind, my heart, my mind, and start dividing us away from that. No. You and I have to protect our body and say we will pray and work toward the unity of our church for the good and the sake of getting the gospel out because there's men and women everywhere around us going to hell and we want to make it impossible to go to hell from Alvin, Texas. That's our job. That's what we're after. You and I, we need to pray for that unity. We need to pray for, for divisions to end in our families. You want to see culture get better, you rebuild back the family the way God put it to be. And that's what we need to work toward. That's where we need to say we're for the family the way God intended families to be. And so let's pray and get on our knees and say, Lord, we need to restore the biblical family back within our culture. And so we need to plea beg for the Lord to send revival within our family. Some of you have family members today. You're divided from. You haven't spoken to him forever. In that division, say, no, this is Jesus that has reconciled me to God and given me the opportunity to reconcile myself with that person. There's friends you need to be reconciled with. There's people you know that are one heartbeat away from being in hell for all of eternity. They've not met the great reconciler in Christ. And so our job going forward is putting Jesus first in all that we do. Let's pray together. 
I want to thank you so much for watching today's message and just want to ask you an important question. And it's essentially this. Have you made a decision in your life to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life? You know, there's a man in the Bible one time that came up to Christ and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And maybe today you're sitting there thinking that exact same thing. I know I have a lot of things in my life, but I'm not sure I have eternal life. I'm not sure I have the forgiveness of my sin that's promised by Jesus in the Bible. And Christ told that man, you have to follow me. And so that's what the Bible tells us, that in order to be saved, we follow Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. And to follow him means this, we trust him by faith. We're trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ. By faith, we're trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection from the grave for the forgiveness of our sin. And so in order to start that relationship, place your trust and faith in Christ. I know a lot of people maybe overcomplicate it, but the Bible says what you do is pray. Just call out to the Lord. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls out the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I just want to encourage you right now where you are, if you're ready to begin a relationship with Christ, you can simply just bow your head and pray with me. Say, Dear God, I'm ready today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. By faith, I trust in His death, burial, and resurrection. God, thank you for saving me from my sins and giving me eternal life with you. I want to invite you, if you prayed that prayer with me, to let us know. You can go to heightschurch.org slash connect. And there on that connect page, you're going to see a little tab that says decision. You click that decision, fill out that information. That's going to come right to me and we'll be in touch with you no matter where you are because our mission here at Heights is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. So we want to just help you take that next step of faith. So go to heightschurch.org slash connect. Click that decision button and let us know that today you began a relationship with Christ. Till we see each other again, God bless.